Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Ah, today's buzz is the Retail Customer Experience 2013. So, those of you in retail, have you figured out what each of your customers really, really, really wants? If yes, that's great, but you're not done. How do you design a personalized, easy, conversational shopping experience your customer will love, adore, want more of, want to talk about, Facebook about, tweet about? that they won't perceive as intrusive or, OMG, creepy? Uh Uh-uh. After all, your goal is to inspire customer loyalty, not a restraining order. If you replied no to either question, listen up. I've got three on-the-money experts today who really know retail and here to share their thoughts on how the pros do it. The experts speak. Let me tell you what's on their minds. Paula Rosenblum from RSR says, and I quote, the essence of precision retail is what I call the grand unified theory. Brad, I'm hearing an echo. Uh, grand unified theory, combining the customer intimacy and knowledge of the very, very small independents with the economies of scale and scope of the very, very large. Yes, Paula Rosenblum says, I stole this concept from physics. Can't wait to talk more to Paula and find about the grand unified theory. Also joining us today is Vicki Cantrell from NRF. And combining various pieces of quotes you may recognize, Vicki says, perfection is the enemy of the good and it takes too long. Don't worry, be crappy. You all know the song that comes from. And rounding out the panel today is Lori Mitchell Keller from SAP. Lori says, and she predicts retailers will go out of business and e-commerce will dominate unless retailers use their culture to draw customers into their stores. Hey, it's retail. That's what it's all about. We'll be asking Lori to expand on her quote. So join us today for their insights on precision retail. We're drilling down. What have you done for your customer lately? Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We are live today. It's February 27th, 2013. OMG, almost the end of the month. Where is it going? I need just a moment with my listeners before I introduce my guests. If you're a retailer, Retail Game Changer, do you know the keys to retail differentiation? Hey, I've got an ebook for you. Transform your big data into big value for the retail industry. Go to our homepage on the business channel here on Voice America and click on any banner and you'll go to a website with lots of free ebooks and other offers with our compliments. Now let's talk about our guests. I'd like to introduce you to Paula Rosenblum, a managing partner of Retail System Research RSR. Paula has over 25 years experience in retail as a practitioner and an analyst. She's well known for her pragmatic approach to retail. 
Welcome, Paula, and I have a shout-out to you from Russ Hill at SAP. How are you today, Paula? I'm great, Bonnie. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. And we're also joined by Vicki Cantrell. Vicki is NRF Senior VP, Community and Executive Director, Shop.org. Earlier in her career, Vicki was, this is impressive, CIO of Giorgio Armani Corporation. She also held positions with Gucci Group, Party City, and J.C. Penny. I like to call that Jock C. Penny. Welcome, Vicki Cantrell. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you on board. And rounding us out is Lori Mitchell-Keller. Lori is a Senior VP of SAP's Global Industry Business Unit for Retail. She leads solution management for all SAP retail solutions. Earlier in her career, Lori worked in supply chain management roles for Baxter Healthcare, Allegiance Healthcare, and AT&T Consumer Products Labs. Welcome, Lori. And how are you? Where are you calling from today? Hi, Bonnie. It's great to be here. I'm calling from Maryland. Wonderful. You're on the East Coast with me. Rainy and gray there, too, I assume? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. So let's go dive into our quotes. Paula Rosenblum, RSR, I'm going to start with you. Tell me about how the essence of precision retail is the grand unified theory. Customer intimacy combined with the knowledge of the tiny independence and economy and scales of the very large. And how is this relating to physics? Talk to me, Paula. <laughs> well, in physics, there's a, there's a break between the physics of the very, very large, which is astrophysics as defined by Einstein, and the very, very small, which is quantum retail. And when you try and mash them together, you get infinities, which mathematically isn't a very good thing. And so there's been a search to find one grand unified theory that melds the physics of the very large with the very small. Similarly, in retail, you've got this customer intimacy that happens on a one-on-one relationship. My father was a single-store retailer. He didn't need somebody else to think about how he was going to design the store. He didn't need somebody else to think about how he was going to, when he was going to execute his markdowns. He kind of had that cold. Then you've got the physics of the but he didn't have economies of scale. Then you've got these very, very large retailers, and we've gotten very successful at managing our economies of scale. We've compartmentalized our departments so that we can be more efficient, but it's very hard to reachieve that customer intimacy. So the grand unified theory, in my point of view, is where you take the opportunity to regain that customer intimacy or that knowledge or that unified sense that people like my father had with the opportunity to get economies of scale that the very, very large retailers have today. And that's why I, that's what I call the grand unified theory of retailing. I like the grand unified theory. I like the fact that we're bringing in the full scope of little to big. Is there such a thing as little independence? Are they going to last very long, Paula? Or oh, if they, they... Seem to be having a resurgence, Bonnie. I mean, I, wonderful. Uh, what's happening is there there seems to be a, a a trend out there to want to buy local and go local, and I'm seeing more, particularly in supermarkets and groceries. I'm seeing a lot a lot more action on the independent front than I have in a while. Interesting. And I, and I would venture to guess that that's where we identify that intimate knowledge. You walk in the store, they know you. Hi, Paula, how are you? Haven't seen you in a while. You're looking for this. That's where we identify being known, isn't it, Paula? That's the origin of that intimate precision relationship, it, it yes? And, and the other thing you'll find is that those retailers curate their assortments in a way that they take out the stuff that the customer doesn't want, and they add a wider variety of things that they know their customer does want. 
Aha, uh-huh. and they have less of an infrastructure, so they can go out and do that buying. They they might not get a great price, but they can go out and say, we need this on the shelves because X Y Z is coming in. Good information. Paula will join with back with you in a few minutes. Let's bring on Vicky Cantrell. Vicky, you said I love your combined quote. I'm, uh, we call it Angapachka in certain parts of the world. Vicky, per, per, <laughs> you know, perfection is the enemy of the good, and it takes too long. Don't worry, be crappy. I'm still laughing. Talk to me, Vicky. Where did you? bring all this together and what are we really talking about here so today uh, I think we can we all know we have such a fast-paced environment and trends that used to last uh, two years meaning they would take a long slow upcoming and then there would be a trend for a long time I'm telling you trends don't last more than three to six months at this point Uh, so uh, the retailers are struggling with uh, moving as fast as the customer is moving. And so I have always been a proponent of figuring out how to get something done. And so when I say don't worry, be crappy, it's go ahead, put out version one. It's not. It, it's better to do something than nothing. And so what I'm really trying to say here is you can't afford analysis paralysis. There is so much data coming at retailers all day, every day, because now they're dealing with social media data and all kinds of um, new inputs. You can't they're, – they're struggling with what to look at. So you can't take too long to make a decision. So basically I'm saying no analysis paralysis. The customer mm-hmm. doesn't wait so you can't wait, they move on to the next bright, shiny object, um, which is a better experience. So how do you do that? So I'm saying fail fast. Don't expect it to be pretty because innovation is never pretty, and that's what's so exciting about it. And the most important thing about this is, you know, your organization must be structured to enable this. And this is the big thing we're seeing in retail right now is that, the old silos of different groups inside the retailer that gets these jobs done um, need to be working together in a much uh, more seamless way. And you need to to merge the digital thought process from those great e-commerce leaders with the people that have been running brick and mortar for a while and really uh, push forward and get the best customer experience. Thank you, Vicki. It sounds a little bit like relationship advice. Fail quickly, move on, make it up. Make make nice, stick it, stay in there. If it's worth doing it, it's worth staying on. We have so much more to talk about today with you and the other panelists. And let's bring on Lori Mitchell-Keller from SAP. Lori says, uh, here's, the, here's the bad news and the good news. Retailers will go out of business and e-commerce will dominate unless, everybody listen up, unless retailers use their culture to draw customers into their stores. The good old-fashioned way, Facebook face-to-face shopping. Lori, talk to me. How, how imminent is this doom or not? Well, I don't think the doom is imminent, Bonnie, but I do think that retailers need a wake-up call a little bit to understand that what draws customers into their stores is what is the real essence of the retailer. What does their brand stand for? What are they doing in the community? What What is really the appeal for customers to get out of their offices and out of their homes and out into the world to actually visit a retailer. E-commerce today is so easy to do. We know that mm-hmm. 40% or more of online shopping is done while somebody is at work. It's very convenient. 
The e-commerce retailers know a lot about us, obviously, because they know our login, they know our personal information, they know all of our shopping history. That's very difficult, as Paula was saying earlier, for a retailer to have, particularly if they're a large retailer. And so I, so I would argue that the last bastion of really the appeal of the in-store retailer is what is their culture? Why do I want to come into your store and see and look and feel the products that you have? You could be you know, a sporting goods store that's really um, got you know, great um, environment. There's some sporting goods stores um, in Australia that have you know, big pools in the middle of their stores that you can actually try out the kayaks and try out the you know, water sports. Or, you know, you might be a organic grocery store, and what is it that's pulling me in? I was in Austin recently in, in an organic grocery store that I hadn't visited before, and you walk in and you can get the smoothie of the day, you can get kale mm-hmm. in it, you can get berries. It's all about what is it that draws that appeal into the store, and I would call that the culture. What really is the retailer all about? And retailers really need to exploit that capability in order to bring people out of e-commerce where we know you so well and into the store where we can get to know you. Very interesting, Laurie. A personal note from me. This is Bonnie. I I spend every day, all day, sometimes 12 to 20 hours a day online. By the time Saturday comes, I want to get out of the office. I can't wait to go to a retail store. I don't care if it's a local, what we used to call the dime store, and just browse the aisles. Do I need more toothpaste? Do I need more right. cleaner, cleaner? I can't wait to go to Marshalls or TJ Maxx and dream. Would my office look better with this? Should I buy that? How can I beautify my environment? These little personal shopping experiences are part of my routine just for sanity on the weekends. So I'm a big fan. I just hope those stores stay open and stay beautiful. I don't care what's going on. Just give me the retail store. We are at time for our break already. My goodness, we've got so much more to talk about with my very smart and special guest, Paula Rosenblum from RSR, Vicki Cantrell, NRF, Lori Mitchell-Keller, SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're at Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Don't even think of touching that app. You know what's next. Yes, you do. I'm going to find out what's in their cup today. If you want to tweet to me your coffee order, Muhammad, Tom Red, Malcolm, pound sign, SAP Radio. I'm waiting for your tweets. Don't even think of going away. We'll be right back. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's. And speaking of coffee breaks, we want to find out what my eminent guests are drinking today. Paula Rosenblum, what is in your cup right now? Andrea by Nespresso with some nice steamed milk. Ooh, and tell me, is the milk full high, full strength, high test, or uh, low fat, or 2%, skim? 2%, 2%. Good girl. Okay, people tell me my skim milk tastes horrible, and they don't even want to drink it when they come to my house. So I'm glad you're more of a purist than I am. Let's talk to Vicki Kentrell. What's in your cup today, Vicki? Well, uh, today it's a, uh, a Starbucks blend because I had a great... Uh, client meeting at Starbucks last week, and I don't know if anybody realizes this, but client meetings always involve a coffee tasting. You know, Lori was talking about culture earlier, and boy, do they have it in spades because every employee, regardless of what they're doing in corporate, understands how to do a coffee tasting, teach others to do a coffee tasting, and how it how it changes the pairing with three different cakes that they bring and, and alters the taste of the coffee and the cake. And so we got a little lesson, and apparently that happens before every client meeting. And so it was uh, fascinating, and it was great to see that every employee, regardless of their function, really understands the essence of every bean. So pretty, pretty great. Wow, talk about culture. That's amazing, wonderful story. And let's talk to Lori. What's in your cup today? Well, today it's a bright early morning for me, so uh, I've got Gloria Jean's mudslides. So it's a bit of a strong coffee. <laughs> but the fun thing I have today is um, I'm drinking from my cup from Greece. I try to buy cups at different places I go. I was in Greece three years ago with my husband uh, for our 20th anniversary, and today is his birthday. So I'm trying to honor it a little bit by drinking from my Greece cup. If you give me his first, Brad is saying, yum, that sounds good. Give us his first name. We'll do a shout-out. What's your husband's first name, Lori? Eric. Eric from Coffee Break with Game Changer. Here's to you, Eric. Happy, happy birthday and many, many more. And you've got a smart lady here. Thanks for loaning her to us on your birthday. And I have to read Malcolm here. My trusty co-producer and tweeter extraordinaire says he's drinking his trusted alligator in his cup thanks to Equator Coffees. And ladies on the show, I'm going to offer to send you a an official Coffee Break with Game Changers mug after the show. So we'll make sure you have something special else to drink from. So let's see. We're waiting. Waiting for uh, coffee tweets from Tom Red and Mohammed Amer. And when you get around to it, guys, tweet them to me at hashtag SAP Radio, and we'll read them on the air. So let's talk more about retail. I don't know if we've actually level set and done the definition of precision retail. So, ladies, let me just open this up. Who wants to bring me up to date on exactly what the term precision retail means? And then we'll go into our roundtable. Who wants to talk? I can start, Bonnie. It's Lori. Okay. So when we think about precision retail, we're really thinking about how do I actually reach the individual shopper and how do I precision, if you will, retail to them. I might be in the aisle, let's say, with the pasta, and the retailer knows that based upon my mobile device and geotagging, and they want to push to me a special on the pasta sauce because I'm using the shopping list from their app. Or, you know, I'm in a like I used before, a sporting goods store. They know something about me based upon my loyalty information, and that associate is going to come up to me and talk to me about what I've purchased before, what might be on my mind today, really reach out to actually cross-sell and upsell me. So when we think about precision retailing, we're oftentimes thinking about that very personalized experience that we want to offer customers in the store. 
Thank you, Lori. And I know Vicki has something to say about this. Vicki, you told me before the show, retailers that win the day are the customer. They don't guess what to do for the customer. They are the customer. Talk to me about that, Vicki. How do you mean the retailer is the customer? This is something I feel pretty strongly about, and I think mm-hmm. that you can see the difference. And, and, you know, I've been in luxury businesses for a lot of years, and so, uh, you know, we're able to have uh, a better exposure to having a good customer experience. But, you know, when I look at Disney and Apple, this is what I mean about they are the customer. You know, every retailer sits around and says, how can I make a great customer experience? But they mm-hmm. they talk about them as they're someone else, okay? And if you're in Disney, mm-hmm. it just happens to be one of my favorite places because I am always in awe of the consistency of the experience. And the point is they just, when you as a customer experience something that you didn't expect on a constant basis because it was, whatever's pertinent for you, easy, convenient, awe-inspiring, special, whatever that thing is, then you know somebody was thinking, what would I like if I was that person? And they turn it into reality. So that's what I mean is, is but you've really got to change your culture. It has to be in the DNA of every aspect of the company, every single area, from finance to stores to design to everything is, this is me, and that's the difference. Good, good points all. And I want to bring Paula Rosenblum into this. Paula, I want to talk about the experience as far as face-to-face selling in retail, the sales associate. And you told me that, hey, this is big, a poorly trained sales associate with little to no product or customer knowledge. I think that's the key we're talking about today. Not just about the product, but the customer is worse than no sales associate at all. You may as well be online doing e-commerce, right, Paula? Talk to yeah, me more. Yeah, and, and you'll turn me off. I mean, I've been at retailers that where, where the sales associate was not only intrusive because that was part of the script, um, but, but also wasn't particularly useful to me, and that's frustrating because one thing we know for sure is consumers do a lot of research before they, before they come into the store. That's that's what the web and, and mobility and, and, and the consumerization of IT in general has done. You know, I will say that it, it's easy to be to say I am the customer when you're when you're a luxury retailer. But we also are challenged to say I am the customer when we're dealing with lower income people as well. One of the flaws retailers often get into is they keep trying to go a little bit up market because it makes it feel it makes them feel like it's more like them. And what's important, as Vicki said, is to flip it around and make it be more like your customer and less like, and make yourself like your customer, not expect your customer to be like you. That's very important from my point of view. Very, very, very interesting. Who's, I heard somebody want to speak. Go ahead. Yeah, it sounds so simple. She's absolutely mm-hmm. right, and it sounds simple. It sounds so intuitive, but it's shocking that so few really achieve it. And I, I've always wondered at how at that disconnect. It sounds so simple. It's not so simple. It does sound so simple. And I want to talk about the personalization we're talking about, precision retail, know thy customer, understand their experience, don't over-sophisticate what you're offering. Somebody comes to a store and they want a basic experience, don't all of a sudden go high-end and shock them. That may not be who your market is. But let's talk about personalization. And I alluded to this, ladies, in my opening statement. I said you want a personalized, easy, comfortable, conversational experience. Sounds wonderful. But we border on big brother, big sister. 
here we border on creepy. We border on intrusive. How much do you really know about me when I walk in the store? Uh, Vicki, talk to me. Context aware needs to go from feeling creepy to conversational. Where is that line? Is it a line in the sand that's shifting? And how many small independent retailers understand this, and do they understand it better than bigger stores? Vicki? So the smaller independent understands it the best, okay? For Uh Just like what Paula said in her opening when she talked about the single store, and I talk to people all the time, and and they have that nailed. The the interesting part about the conversation and creepy is if I had to really overgeneralize, I would say that the creepy part is much more prevalent online, uh, and the conversational is easy because even in the store, if you happen to know a lot about your customer, whether it's whether it's uh, geo-focused, uh, meaning you know they're in your store, you know they're at a certain p- part of your store, any of those things, you can kind of um, counteract it, uh, the creepy, with, with having that personal conversation so you can take care of it. But literally on the web, if I search for something for any number of reasons, including something I may not be interested in purchasing or buying or have, but because somebody mentioned it and I want to understand it, I do not want that ad an ad for that thing following me around the web. It, that can be, that's to me creepy, and it's, it, it's the right thought process, but really nasty execution at this point. Yeah, this is Paula. I couldn't agree yes, enough. Paula. I think retargeting is, is borderline evil. And, you know, and, and basically it stays with you as long as um, the cookie stays on your computer. You know, I'm still, right. getting, I'm still getting ads for, for lawn cushions, for patio cushions that I bought a year and a half ago. And it won't right. stop till I get a new computer. <laughs> well, What's up? What's that? I think the other thing that we need to be aware of is that when we do get the customers into the store, as Paula was talking about before with the associate, giving that personalized experience, and what we need to realize from the associate's perspective is they may be feeling like the customer and putting themselves in the shoes of the customer, as Vicki said. But the problem that we have is that we've got a customer coming into the store that's very sophisticated about the purchase that they want to make that day. They've researched it on the web. They know all about it. And they come up to the associate who's probably covering hundreds of items in that particular store. And so we need to really think about how do we provide that personalized experience and have that good interaction between the associate and the customer that makes the customer want to come back in. And I think that there's lots of things that we can think about from a technology perspective that can actually mm-hmm. enable retailers and enable the associates to have that real rich experience with the, with the customer that shows their culture but also shows that they know about their product as much or even more than the sophisticated customer who's done all the research. All good points. I want to cover data, big data, in the next part of the roundtable after the break. But right now I want to turn to Paula. I have a question for you, a term you told me before the show that I'm really not familiar with. What is showrooming? You say showrooming is the last resort of frustrated consumers and a statement of, and here's the kicker, a statement of retailer failure. What is it and how is it failure, Paula? Well, there's two aspects to showrooming. One is the simple one, and that is that that all consumers have always done some price comparisons when buying big-ticket items. And this Mm -hmm. is nothing new. It's just that we're able to do it faster. Okay, so that's something that I think it's way overblown. And, and it's, it's common, and it's been common for as long as, you know, Consumer Reports was out there. People did that kind of research. But the second is showrooming that happens because I've taken the time. I've gone to a store. I'm waiting for someone to talk to me. I'm looking for the product that you said was available when I looked at your online website. 
and then and then you and then I come in and it's not there. So what am I going to do? If I can't find anyone to help me, I'm going to go ahead and find the item number and and Google it up on my phone or or Bing it up on my phone. Pick the search engine of your choice mm-hmm. and buy it from someplace else. Um, if 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 the uh, experience is unsatisfying, if the wait time is too long, I'll just let it go. If I discover your price online is different than the price in your store, that's a problem. So that's called showrooming, and, and, and companies have used it to say this is what cost us our quarter, and I'm crying foul. No, it's not what cost you your quarter. What cost you your quarter was you weren't paying attention to your customers. You weren't, you weren't giving them what they expected to get, and so they, they just went elsewhere really simply. Vicki, do you agree? Absolutely, I agree. And, you know, Lori talked about uh, the challenge of making sure that that sales associate is trained and, and well done. And, you know, that's a kind of a vast resource. And it's a tough, you know, being a retailer for many years, it's tough to get the right tools in the hands of the sales associate. And, and, and I mean tools, whether it's skills or actual tools. But, boy, I'll tell you, training is key, and I happen to be uh, pretty much 100% in Paula's court on, on that showrooming thing. And for me to say 100% in Paula's court, you know, she and I know that <laughs> now, now. we agree on many Bring things. it. We're Bring not it. always 100% together. <laughs> Bring it. We, we love that. We don't pick panelists because they agree with each other. We pick them because they have independent <laughs> viewpoints, and sometimes if they converge, it's a wow. I've, I've actually had a guest on one of the early shows over a year ago who went on record on, on live radio and said, uh, I guess his name was Jim, and he's, Bob was the other speaker. He said, this is the first time in five years I've agreed with anything Bob says. <laughs> I didn't even know they knew each other. You know what, ladies? We are up against a break. I just want to say that uh, Mark. Margot is drinking her, and let's see, Margot's drinking her Nespresso, I know that. Louis Bridgman is pounding his second espresso, and Mohammed is drinking Pete's Coffee Espression Forte. Good for all of you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham with a great panel today. Lots to talk about. We're going to talk about that retail experience, precision retailer. What do you want the retailers to know about you? Who are those sales associates who greet you or not when you go to the store and the big big elephant in the room, big data. What are retailers doing about it? What are they supposed to do about it? What will they be doing about it? Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back in 57 seconds. Counting down. Brad out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're going to talk about data. Oh, my goodness. Little independent retailers, big box stores, huge conglomerates. We have social media data. We have data about how people feel, sentiment analysis. We have small populations and big populations. Let's start off with Paula Rosenblum. Paula, what does data have to do with it? How is a retailer supposed to understand that it matters, to embrace it, to do something with it, and to do something smart with it? Bring us up to speed on this, please. Sure. First of all, big data is a term that's really kind of maligned. It, it's, it's fallen into the popular lexicon, and people don't really know exactly what to do with it. The way I think of big data is it's the aggregation of all the data sources that didn't exist 10 years ago. So that means okay. you've got inf- you've got customers tweeting, you've got people um, writing reviews, you've got people posting on social media, you've got you know Facebook, you've got people writing emails to each other, you've got customer generated reviews, and the challenge becomes to aggregate this information up and 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 get and sort of normalize uh, sentiment. That's to me what big data is. Now that's challenging because there's an old saying out there that retail is detail. And it's detail in terms of execution, but in terms of analysis, not so much. The, goal, the opportunities we have with big data and with computing power that runs, that drives big data, is that we can deal with exceptions and we can deal with aggregation. And so to me, big data is the aggregation of all of that information that we didn't used to have because so much of our, of our information was product-based as a proxy for customer-based. Now we can actually get aggregated customer information, and that's what big data is to me. Okay. Does it matter to the small independent? Hi, Laurie. Go ahead. Yeah, this is Laurie. I think that Paula is exactly right. The term big data is, is used for a lot of different things, but it's all about all of that information that, um, as Paula mentioned, we haven't had. But the trick is how do you use that information mm-hmm. now for your advantage? There, you know, the computing power allows you to do it, but you really need to understand as a retailer what are you really looking for. Are you wanting to provide those personalized experiences? And so then how do you segment the data much more so than just based upon demographics that we might have done a few years ago? You can now actually segment a, around buying patterns and what customers typically buy together in a market basket. So there's all types of analysis that you can do on big data, but I think that where it really starts is what is a retailer wanting to do? What are they wanting to know about their customers? What do they want to do with that data? And just one other um, comment around the social mm-hmm. media data. There is so much out there. You mentioned sentiment analysis mm-hmm. earlier, Bonnie, and certainly you know, there is individual information that we can get from social media, but I think what's more important for retailers is to really understand what is the overall sentiment about them. There's lots of tools to do that, but you know, are they having you know, good, favorable comments about them more so than not favorable comments? Back to the culture that I was talking about before, the customers really are trying to give retailers messages about their culture. The retailers need to be open to that. And I would argue that if there are big negative impacts that happen based upon, you know, maybe a YouTube video that was Mm -hmm. not that great that an employee did. We all know about those stories. That those actually should be addressed by retailers in the social media. They should have someone, and maybe it's not their whole job, but monitoring at some level 
what's happening out there with the consumer so that their culture, their brand isn't negatively affected if there is one of those um, negative spots. Bonnie, think, you know, I yes. think that uh, the two takeaways from here um, is that there is a lot of data, and we just talked about probably ten different things, but not to be overwhelmed by it. The key is pick two or three things, and that, by the way, is based on the type of retailer you are. They're going to be two different things for different people. Pick them, go after it. Get into it because that will help your learnings for the next thing you should be doing it, doing. And then I have to say 100% uh, agreement with Lori and having lots of personal experience on this. Be authentic. Be mm -hmm. authentic. Believe me, these these customers know. And if you screw up, admit it and fix it. And if you want to have a conversation, have a real conversation. Be authentic. There's one okay. caveat. This is Paula. There's one caveat yes, I'd like to throw in. Retailers mm -hmm. are legend for what I call squeaky wheel syndrome. And they will ignore 99% positive sentiment if they find one, you know, one complaint. And the reason why I, I always stress aggregating this data up is that you can always find someone who thinks you're great even if 99% of the people don't. <laughs> and you can always find something who, where, where someone who thinks you're terrible, even if 99% think you're great. And so my recommendation is try and it just like I said before, retail as detail doesn't always serve you well. By the same token, following the squeaky wheel isn't necessarily going to so, serve you well. It's really important to get yourself out of the details and look at aggregated sentiment as well. Very, very important. Thank you all. I, I, have a, I have a comment for all three of my esteemed panelists. We have been talking about the customer, the consumer, without namespaces, without ages, genders, without spending capabilities, without neighborhoods. We've been lumping them all into one bucket called the customer. And we all know you walk into a retail store in a particular neighborhood, and it might be a mixed age, mixed uh, background neighborhood. And the store has to deal with that. They may have a population that doesn't want sentiment analysis. They just want an easy shopping experience. That They want shelves that aren't too high. They want a shopping cart that's available. They want a sales associate or whatever you call the person at the, the cashier to smile and say, thank you for coming here, and is there anything else I can do for you? They want a good old-fashioned face-to-face retail experience the way it used to be in the mom-and-pop store. Can you all comment on how that fits into all of this. We're talking about so many different needs, so many different levels of sophistication or not in terms of the buying population. So who wants to jump in? I'm, I want to know how this all fits in with precision. How precise do some customers not want you to be, and who are the ones who do want you to be? Uh, yeah, this who is wants Paula. to go? One, one thing Please. that my, my partner, Nikki Baird, says all the time, and I really like it, is that re retailing is no longer about what you want to sell. It's really about what your customers want to buy. And that changes everything. So in a supermarket, it may be as simple as don't let the lines get too long. Use some kind of technology or use eyeballs to make sure that the lines don't go further than three deep. Because And, and don't start presenting me promotions on the way out. I'm done. I'm finished. So that's all part of precision retailing. And sentiment analysis, consumers don't even have to know that you've done that sentiment analysis. You may find out through 
the analysis of the tweets and the things that they say, that what they would prefer is that you had different products lower on the shelves, as you pointed out. Apparently, yes. people like me who are baby boomers are, are, aren't, aren't <laughs> able to stretch so much anymore. I haven't had that experience yet, but I, apparently it's coming soon. You know, I have to get on my tiptoes all the time, and I'm I'm five foot one, and I'm a baby boomer too. And it's like, <laughs> damn, damn, and there's nobody here, no strong young stock boy to help me reach that thing. Maybe I won't buy. Oh, I'll just jump up and take a chance. Anyway, go go ahead, Paul. Well, and, and and it's and and the other thing again, going back to a grocery store, which is all about get me in, let me find what I want, and get me out. Yes. It's also yes. don't be restocking the shelves with large dollies while during during. Um, during busy times because it becomes very inconvenient. And I've actually had that experience personally with a retailer who generally I really like and yet seems completely committed to restocking at totally illogical times of day. And yes. You know, I, some of this stuff store. does not matter who the customer is. You're right about you go into a store and you'll have ten different types of customers, but not a single one of them want to wait in line, whether they're a teenager or a, exactly. a you know a baby boomer, right? So it's the real marriage of people skills, the same old relationship that's never going to go away. So it's the marriage of the technology and the people skills. Yeah, Absolutely, I think the, it's, it's Lori. I think one of the things that yes, we have to realize too is you know the the demographics of the population is tra- changing dramatically. And when we get to where the millennial generation is now, you know, got a lot of spending power, I think you'll see some of the um, expectations of the retailers changing because they've grown up with the Internet. They've grown up with their mobile devices. You know, their mobile devices are part of them. So it's not you know, the shopping experience of the older baby boomer generation, um, which I'm a part of as well, you know, is different. You talked earlier, Bonnie, about wanting on the um, weekends to go to the stores. You know, I had the same experience over Christmas where I had bought everything online and I hadn't mm-hmm. experienced the, you know, drama of being in a mall around <laughs> Christmas time. So on Christmas Eve, I just went to Hello. the mall to have yes. that experience. But I would yes. argue that those that think their mobile devices are actually part of them might not actually have that same desire. You know, very, there's, a, very there's a, one, one more quick thing. There's a, an interesting phenomenon that's happening. So if you are in line, okay, and you are a younger generation, and actually not just younger generation, but here's what the retailers have to combat now. If you're in line, you now have something to take your focus away. So if you are a retailer and expect those people waiting in line to be looking at all those shiny objects you put in the aisle on the way up or all the things you wanted to tell them while they were in line, those consumers are not looking at that. They're looking at their phone. They're either shopping mm-hmm. or, or texting or Facebook or whatever they're doing. They are paying no attention to the store experience. So if you don't have a great experience, you're actually losing the customer while they're in your store. Very, very good point. I have to bring in something. So we've got almost two minutes to break, but there's something Vicki brought up before the show I want to cover. Uh, it's talking about a company's charitable and community involvement, and you say that it will translate to deeper customer loyalty. Conversely, what the company stands for can initiate a relationship. So uh, connecting a charitable or community involvement and sentiment to the brand. Vicki, just, just give me your 30 seconds on this. How important is this to what demographic? Who cares if you if you are doing something in another country or if you're giving to a charity or if you're hiring disadvantaged people to be stock people and checkers? Who, who really knows about this? So we've been doing some research about that um, uh, internally, and the 
everybody know, talks about the millennial, and now we that even term is, is gone because we're talking about younger than the millennial. The millennials and the younger generation want to work for companies that have a philanthropic footprint that means something, okay, that, that resonates with them. I think this is critical. The millennials and the teens are our future shoppers. This is what they care about. We had uh, uh, Austin Gutwine of Hoops for Hope talk at, at some event that uh, we were at at uh, NRF a couple of years ago, and he was a teenager and talking about, hey, we are buying Tom's shoes because we know that that is that they are giving away a pair of shoes for every pair of shoes we buy. That's important to us. I think it is absolutely uh, critical and not a trend, not going away. Very, very important. I want to thank all of you for another great roundtable. Brad and I are chatting on Skype here, our, our engineer extraordinaire, and we're saying, wow, this is going fast. These ladies really get the idea of a roundtable. We're sitting around and talking. Woohoo! I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're heading for our last segment, and you who listen to the show on a regular basis know what that is. I'm asking Vicki and Lori and Paula to polish off that crystal ball in front of them and look ahead five years if they can see that far on a clear day. Can you see forever? And tell me what precision retail will look like in 2018. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Je pense donc, je suis. I always throw that in on the show, and here we are. Quick reminder for my Game Changer listeners in the retail industry. We have a free ebook for you. We've been talking about it. Don't you want to know about it? Transform your big data into big value for the retail industry. Go to Voice America Business Channel. Look for our Coffee Break logo in any of the banners you see on the page there. Click. It'll take you to a page with lots of free offers, white papers and playbooks and infographics and everything. But look specifically for Transform Your Big Data into Big Value you for retail it's our gift to you okay crystal ball paula how far ahead can you see in that beautiful crystal ball of yours for precision retail can you take me all the way through to 2018 paula rosenblum well i can give it a go i think that one of the things that's happening is demand cycles continue to shrink and consumers tastes continue to change and the challenge with that is that we have gotten very used to as retailers sourcing our product a half a world away from the point of demand, most often China or somewhere in the Far East. 
And I believe by 2018 we'll see a significant shift back to closer sourcing, near sourcing, I guess they call it, uh, because A, um, inflation is starting to take hold over in the Far East anyway, and B, you just the opportunity cost associated with missing a trend or the opportunity cost associated with um, misjudging a trend is too high to, 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 to take four weeks to get product from, from source to shelf. So I think we're going to see, and I'm, I'm also hopeful that we'll see, a return to source or sourcing closer to the point of demand. Very good. Thank you so much, Paula Rosenblum. Vicki Cantrell, are you looking ahead? How far? You want to go five years, or what, what's your pleasure? Well, you know, I could do five years because what we see that could happen, it always takes retailers a little bit longer to, to deal with all that tough back office stuff. Uh, that 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 lags. So yeah, I'll, I'll go out that far. I think what we're going to see in big increments is that shopping will be less of a discrete activity. Uh, experiences will be in, is an embedded shopping opportunity. And so um, the longer we go, it'll look different in two years. It'll look different in five years. Less of a discrete ap- uh, activity. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. contextual shopping, seamless. Okay, for instance, you're in a chat room and you're talking to your folks about the best uh, baby seat, all mm-hmm. your like minded people that you're chatting with, and they recommend a particular baby seat. Well, okay, but once you know what that is, you have to go somewhere else and, you know, search it and or go to a website. I think that things are going to embed themselves in other things so that you're really seamless and never having to leave what you're doing, not never, of course, Yes. <laughs> not leave what you're doing to, to, to do that. So I think it'll be experiential and less discreet. And that's, you know, the technology part. Now the stores have to figure out how to be part of that because they are not going away. I will never believe that. I agree with you. And, you know, I was thinking as you're speaking, Vicki, about the good old-fashioned personal recommendation. I remember when I was so sad, I had a wonderful manicurist two blocks from where I live. Uh, His name was Michael. He was a young Chinese gentleman. He was the manager, and he was the only one I would let touch my nails. One night I drove by the store and saw a big truck outside, never thought about it. Two days later, the store had been cleaned out. They moved out, lock, stock, and banana, took all the equipment and just left. No follow-up, no customer contact, nothing. I was adrift. I started asking around trying other salons, hated them until I mentioned to a gentleman friend who was actually in his 70s and he said his his recently deceased wife used to go to a beautiful salon two blocks on the other side of me. I went in, they play opera, they have a gorgeous place, they welcome me with open arms. I've been a loyal customer there for a year and a half now, all through just mentioning it to completely the wrong person. So personal recommendations, personal uh, honesty and personal credibility still count. I rest my case. Lori Mitchell Keller, crystal ball, how far away can you look and anything different you'd like to add the other ladies haven't touched on for us? Well, if I look in my crystal ball of retail, I think what we know about retail and its evolution is that retail is constantly changing. The pace of change, I think, will continue to get faster and faster. And I believe what we'll see in the next five years is probably more change than we've seen in the last 50 in retail. But specifically, in so, sort of to Vicky's comment, I think that we'll see, you know, a, um, almost in a uh, confluence, if you will, of the online retailers and the in-store retailers. I don't think in five years we'll necessarily be talking about an e-commerce retailer versus 
a store retailer because the stores are getting more and more aggressive in online and the e-commerce vendors in many cases are thinking about starting out trial stores. So I think that we'll see that hybrid start to emerge um, in the next five years. And I do agree with Vicki that it will be much more contextual because we won't think about online retailers versus stores. We'll think about, I'm having an experience and I need to buy something. Am I going to go to a store? If that's the most convenient, that's what I'm going to do. And if I'm going to go, um, or if I'm in my office and I want to do e-commerce, that's what I'm going to do. So that's what I mean by, you know, retailers will go out of business is and, and e-commerce will dominate. What I'm really saying is that the two will merge, and I don't think that we'll think about retailers in one uh, way or another. We'll just think about them as shopping experiences. Thank you, all three of you. I have a bonus question. We have about two minutes extra before I have to do the close. Bonus question is the issue of trusting the online experience. We talked about the demographics of the buying population. Baby boomers, older than baby boomers. I call them the senior seniors. <laughs> they know who they are. We are not them yet. And the question is, they don't really trust the online experience. Too much in the news about servers going down and about credit cards being stolen and identities being stolen. If you've seen that horrible movie with Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman, Identity Thief, please don't bother. But anyway, the point is that there's a fear. <laughs> I, I don't like to give bad movie reviews, but I just did. There's a fear level. How could I give somebody my information? online who's on the other end will that go away in terms of the online the e-commerce getting uh, gaining a hold in the older population or are they still going to be the bastion of the face-to-face I want to come in the store and be treated well consumer let's start with Paula 30 seconds what do you say yeah I think it's going to go away I mean uh, part of the reason is that it's not always that painful I actually had my checkbook stolen a week and a half ago and someone tried to uh, cash a $3,900 check actually they didn't even steal it they took a picture of it and created a copy of my checks. Um, oh, a smart bank manager caught it, and a- apart from closing and opening a new account, it was relatively unpainful for me. I think wow. that that will change. I think I, th- I think that that the mistrust will go away, but there'll be some new technology that will mistrust. That's just the. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now that's that's a great crystal ball prediction, Paula. I didn't see that one coming. You are a realist. Thanks for the reality reality check. Okay, Vicky Cantrell, what do you see? I could give you 10, 15 seconds, Vicky. Go ahead. Uh, that's okay. Uh, yes, I absolutely think it's going away because um, uh, the, our new consumer uh, is uh, doesn't care what information they give away. And so maybe the next thing that people are worried about is, I'm not sure what, but it'll have to do something to do with the younger consumer who is happy to give their information away and because they get a better experience, including in the store. Okay, Lori Mitchell-Keller, round this out. I'll give you 15 seconds and we have to close. Go ahead. Yeah, I tend to agree with the other two ladies. I mean, I think that even the older generation, you know, orders on orders over the phone, right, with catalogs. Mm-hmm. So they're already giving their information. It might not be the online experience, but I think that we all have to deal with the reality that people have information about us. And just, you know, to Paula's um, example, we deal with it if we have that, you know, identity issue. But we're all sharing our information, and I think we'll continue to do that in order to have the experiences that we want from a shopping perspective. 
Thank you very much. Great panelists. I want to thank Paula Rosenblum, Vicki Cantrell, and Lori Mitchell-Keller, all of you, plus in the background, listening on the line, but we've muted them. Too bad. Tom Red, T. Red, you rock, and Mohammed Amer also. And we've had so many people tweeting live today. We're thrilled. Thank you to shop.org. We know who you are. NRF News is tweeting. Uh, we have Louis Bridgman. Thank you so much. We have got SAP CRM. Malcolm, of course. Uh, we've got a whole SAP Social On Demand. Digital Diva, whoever you are, thank you. You, you rock. Appreciate that. <laughs> we want to know who you are. Yes. She is, she is awesome, by the way. My she is awesome. Is awesome. Love it. And coming up next week, I have to do my predictions. Telco 2.0 and the Mobile World Congress wrap up March 6th. March 13th, best run cities, urban matters. Running a city is complex and challenging. March 20th, new topic, airline turnaround. I don't mean turning around and going back to the gate. I mean the business turning around. you got to hear that one. Thank you so much to Anka Rebel, Malcolm Kimberlin, Siobhan Colopy, and Brad at the Business Channel team. We're starting a new mini-series coming up in a couple weeks. you got to tune in next week to hear what it'll be, different day and time, but part of the SAP Game Changers Radio umbrella. Can't wait. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have a parting message for all of you. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Brad out. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.